Hello, and welcome back to the Kamalaya Wellness for Life podcast, episode six. I'm Karina Stewart, Chief Wellness Officer and founder of Kamalaya Wellness Sanctuary and Holistic Spa on Koh Samui, Thailand. Today is a very special podcast edition to mark the end of the season and to reflect on what has been an extraordinary year. It is very important to give ourselves the time to collect our thoughts and experiences, to put things in perspective in order to set new goals, and to keep our motivation levels high. And in this special festive edition podcast, I will be speaking to John, my husband, and founding partner of Kamalaya. Together, we will try to help you feel your best so you can start a new year with a resilient mind, full of inspiration, and empowered to achieve new heights. So let's get started. Hi, John. Hi, Karina. <laughs> and hello, everybody. So I would like to start by asking you, how do you prepare for endings? Endings are uh, challenging and difficult for some, and exciting, thrilling, and inspiring for others. And I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on the matter. How do you prepare for endings, John? Well, I fit into the exciting and exhilarating category. <laughs> for me, endings are new beginnings. I'm always excited about new challenges. I'm always excited about uh, what the future is about to present. Uh, but at the same time, I still do reflect and I look back on this year and see how many challenges we faced and how successful we came out of it. Um, as an example, um, with the world situation, with COVID and, and uh, the challenges for the hospitality industry, um, with our mother, with your mother that is in America and we really wanted to bring her here. We were able to work with our fantastic team and keep everything going really, really well. We were able to find the time, get to America, sell her house, bring her home, get her immigrated into Thailand. And now we're meeting the end of the year with a full house. I mean, it's quite extraordinary. So it gives me the confidence to, to plan and set new intentions and new goals for this coming year. Mm. Beautiful. And what about you? I think I have a slightly different experience of endings. Um, endings are a little more challenging for me. Uh, I've had many endings in my life which were uh, unwelcome. They were, they were not something that I had wanted to go through. And so I can feel uh, that I need to spend time when endings approach to feel the loss and the closure and the letting go of something that will never be again. And there are stages in our life um, that we come to where there's clear demarcations and things will never be what they once were. I remember getting married and though I was as in love as any bride could be, I also was terrified because I had the sense that that the me that I knew myself to be as, as uh, single was never going to be again. And there was a huge sense of loss um, before I could then open up and embrace 
the fabulous new beginning, which I have never regretted or looked back on wishing it hadn't been. So I think for me, it's really important to spend time experiencing the closure, experiencing what's being left behind, um, which allows me then to prepare to look forward. I think I take a little time with that, but I really enjoy your enthusiasm and enthusiasm and exhilaration at, uh, (laughs) At the new beginnings, right away, right up front. You remind me of our little grandson, Lucas, and the way he just says yes wholeheartedly to every moment, you know, in the moment. And that's what it reminds me of. Very beautiful. He's a great inspiration. No question. John, how important do you think it is to reflect on the past? Well, I think it's super important to reflect on the past. I don't dwell on it so much, but I do reflect. And I think it's really important to to reflect on the past and compare ourselves to, to the experiences. Like for instance, it's important to look at how difficult it has been for so many people and for so many countries and so many systems, and yet how wonderful it's been for us and so that we can feel gratitude and feel feel really good about ourselves. And at the same time, I think it's really important to look at what other people have done really, really well, because that allows us to come up with better ideas and improve in the future. Don't you think? I mean, what, how do you do it? Because I know you spend more time reflecting, as you just stated. And Well, for me, the past, there are many layers of, of what the past is. But in the context of coming to the end of the year, and about to begin the new year, I think it's really important to reflect on the past and to see the areas that in our life that we uh, took really good care of, whether that was our health or our relationships or our finances or our studies or our career or our spiritual practice. There's so many aspects of our life, right? We're, we're holograms, really, you know? Um, so there are many different aspects of our life that that we need to nurture. And sometimes we do really well in one area, but neglect another. So looking back into the past, let's say the past 12 months, we can review what we did well and really acknowledge that and, and really take the time to reflect and see that we're growing in certain areas that we have handled well. At the same time, I think it's equally important to discover areas that need attention, areas that need Uh, tending to, weeding the garden, I like to say, and fertilizing the soil and providing a little more sunshine and a little bit more um, nutrients to that garden. And uh, I don't think, I think there are missed opportunities if we don't take time to reflect on the past. Um, But also I want to say that the the past uh, is always alive in us and present and informing our present moment, every moment of our life. So when we don't take time to reflect on our past, we can be haunted by the past without even knowing it. It's coloring and influencing our present in ways we're not aware of if we don't spend some time in reflection and contemplation. And I think everybody has a unique balance uh, for achieving the right balance of how, how much reflection and contemplation on the past uh, versus being moving forward into the present and future. So, yeah. 
That's really amazing because I think that's it's absolutely true. And I think it's also really important that when we reflect on the past and that we see the areas where we can improve, that we don't uh, punish ourselves, that's that right. we don't beat ourselves up, that that's we right. actually feel how many good things that we did and use the things where we were weak or where we were maybe not paying attention or where we certainly could improve just as markers for those very things. Let's improve. Let's remember it next time. Let's stay aware um, and, not, and not punish ourselves because we see that a lot in the world. Yes. I think that certainly we can see it's a time to be gentle and kind um, towards one another and most especially towards ourselves, uh, especially when we're reviewing what we could have done better, uh, areas that are more challenging in our lives. Um, with kindness and with gentleness, it becomes a, a, a means of motivating ourselves and creating the right map moving forward. But if we do it in a way that is full of um, harshness, self-criticism, self-judgment, or as a way of beating ourselves up, then it has the opposite effect. So yes, it, can, it, it depends how we use that time. I'd like to ask you, John, what is the best way to end the year, in your opinion, in your life experience? You've had a very unique life journey, and I've had many New Year beginnings, but also endings. So what are your thoughts on this? I think that, I mean, for me, ending the, ending the year again is a beginning. So for me, the end of the year is about the first day of the new year. It's about sunrise. It's about starting the new year with fresh intention, having reflected on the year, having thought about what was good, what we could improve, having worked that through a little bit in our mind and in our heart, that we start the new year full of life, full of enthusiasm, full of gratitude, and, and, and very positively set goals. So you know me, I do that prayer, song, with ceremony, um, and I think that's a really important part of life. So you, you, what you're saying is you place the emphasis on the January 1st morning versus the emphasis on uh, December 31st evening. 100%. So is there anything that you can recommend to someone trying to set new goals and that would help them achieve them? What I learned since my days in India was to set intention, that setting an intention, focused, clear-headed, well thought out, is the key to creating a better future. Since my days in India, I learned to set an intention, to actually see the future, to imagine it already realized, to know where it is that we want to go, and then just to move in that direction, set the intention, make it strong in your heart, in your emotion, and then just move in that direction. And I think Kamalaya is a perfect uh, example of that, because when I walked into the cave, I saw Kamalaya. I saw it. And then we sat down together, we bought the land, we didn't have any money, we didn't have any experience. But we just held that vision, you joined me in that vision, we discussed that vision, and then we made that vision come true against all odds. Because there's actually no obstacles in this world if you really, truly can set an intention, stay focused, 
and always look as if it's already realized. I think one of the keys is is knowing that it's already realized, mm. believing that it's already realized, having faith that it's already realized. I think it's interesting because I think having a clear vision is is key. The vision has to be very very clear, crystalline, and uh, and that's one key piece. But I, I think some people maybe struggle. They can have a clear vision of what the outcome they want is or what the goal they're heading towards is. But along the way, it seems all of us, to some degree or another, might lose our motivation or might lose the clear focus and meander or squander our energies in other things that dilute the directionality um, and therefore the possibility to achieve that goal. So what... What are some of the best ways that you know or that you use to stay motivated, that you have used in your life to stay motivated? Daily practice, discipline, um, getting up every morning, just getting up every morning and starting again. And sometimes I get distracted and sometimes a few days goes by or some amount of time goes by, even a longer time when I'm I lose my focus and get lost in the frivolousness of life. And then I come back to it and I remember and I, I try. And now at this age of my life, at this stage of my life, I'm quite good at getting up every morning, always before the sunrise and doing my practice, remembering my goals, um, restating my intentions. Of course, I do that through meditation and song and prayer. Chanting. And chanting. But I restate my restate my intention to myself again and again and that pulls me back on the goal and and then life unfolds before me mm. so so would you say that repetition then I, Rout, routine and repetition i think repetition and routine are really key to a successful life and i know in our modern world, in our modern life, we don't really like to think about these things. We have so much available to us and we like to skip around and do things. But actually, if you look at the people who really find success, not just worldly success, but success in that they found happiness, purpose, meaning in their lives, um, they, they're able to stay focused on their goals. They're able to do the same thing again and again. You know, a great singer sings every day. Great musician plays music every day. Great scientist does science every day. It reminds me of an experience I had with um, uh, a great Indian uh, sage teacher that came to Kamalaya several times. His name was Muniraji, and he's the heir and main disciple of our um, spiritual master from India called Babaji. And Muniraji, one day I was sitting with him quietly. We were at Kamalaya and we were in his room. And um, I wanted to ask him a question um, and take the opportunity, but I knew it had to be a really burning, really very real question. And finally, the moment had come where I was face to face with my impatience. Something had come up the day before. And once again, uh, I was face to face with my impatience. And I asked him, I said, Muniraji, um, since I'm a little girl, I'm aware that I'm very impatient by nature. And I knew it as a little girl. I knew I had impatience, and I know it now. And I would really like to change this particular 
aspect <laughs> of my personality, this, this characteristic. Um, and I asked him, what can I do to change myself and to change my impatience? And he said he took a long, long time uh, in deep thought and silence before he answered. And it was almost to the point that I was going to start a conversation about the weather when all of a sudden he began to speak and he said, we cannot change our nature, but we can change our habits. And over time, our habits have a profound impact in the qualities of our personality and in our thinking habits and our emotional habits and our physical habits. And he let me know that even though it's like a drop at a time, but creating those new habits would have a profound impact in changing and transforming my life for the better. And I think that what you're sharing right now is in line with what he was sharing. It's, it's the morning habits, it's the morning routine, it's the repetition from day to day, um, and keeping yourself focused and motivated. Um, so I, I really get that. For me, I stay motivated by reminding myself regularly, daily, about the why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? that's getting me closer to my goal, to the vision. I have to remember the why. I'm motivated by the why, strongly so. Tell it's, us more. Yeah, it's just if, if, if the purpose and the meaning are clear, then I can go on forever. I have endless stamina, endless uh, enthusiasm, endless capacity and tenacity and perseverance. But if somewhere along the way the why becomes questionable or I lose sight of it because I don't keep it alive in me, then I really lose my way. And I have seen that you have had perseverance in the most daunting circumstances from when we first started Kamalaya and it was a startup and we were inexperienced to the last 20 months of this global crisis of unprecedented times um, and you are unwavering. And that's really profound uh, to witness. So we're all different and we're all learning, uh, but I really, I appreciate and see the value of your, of your way <laughs> of persevering and staying motivated. I had the great opportunity, having lived those years in it, that not only was there our teacher, not only was there Babaji, but there was also Muniraji, as you just mentioned, and Sastruji. And Babaji kind of held them out as examples of his teaching. Yeah. And they got up every morning and they did their prayers. I traveled with them all over the world. I sat in airports, sat on airplanes. They never missed their discipline. They just kept repeating. And we heard over and over again when you read the ancient texts and stuff that you do something 10,000 times, it becomes yours. You know, a musician, again, a musician plays his chords every morning, gets up and plays the chords again and again and again. And eventually he can... He can uh, compose a, a symphony and uh, and this is true of almost everything in all disciplines whether it's people on, in IT or science or in any of the disciplines so I learned to do it and you mentioned habits my goodness you change a habit, you change your life you change three habits five habits give up coffee 
get up in the morning and then you add meditation and then you add gratitude and then you eventually change five or six habits. Mm -hmm. right? Yes, and it, I think it's really important. Yes, absolutely. It's important for me to say right now that the research on willpower really shows us that we should change one habit at a time one habit at a time and at least for 28 days so that it becomes solid before we then move on to another habit. And I think the mistake that I always made in my over-enthusiastic approach <laughs> to new beginnings was to set a list that was so long of what I wanted to start off with. It was just absolutely a setup for failure and frustration. You absolutely set yourself up for failure. And it's, it's, it's 100% and we see it. We see it in our in our work every day with our guests. If they set too many goals, they fail. When they allow themselves to change one habit, maybe two on a visit, then over a few visits. Yeah. Big changes can happen. I think I think we have to also choose the habits that have a very, very big impact. So, you know, if if you already get enough sleep, then that won't be a primary area to pay attention to, but sleep is one of the key, key pillars for our mental, emotional, and physical well-being. It has been linked to health challenges, to illnesses on each of those levels when we don't have high quality and sufficient sleep. So as an example, it could be exercise, it could be nutrition, it could be um finding ways to uh, develop a rich social network if someone is too isolated. Uh, there are many, many pillars, um, but one at a time. And I think that's one of the things we try to emphasize to our guests by the time they leave, is if they can choose one thing that had the greatest impact for them that they can then implement back home so that they never, ever fall back, back on that again. It becomes a part of them. For the rest of their life, they will have made a huge impact over time on their uh, health and well-being. So, yes, habits, it's, it's, it, we could do a whole podcast just on that. That makes me aware of another important point. When you change one habit, it doesn't disturb the relationship you have with your circle of friends and family. When you change too many habits, it's, it can be difficult for the people who you know and who love you and who want you to remain the same. Yes. So one habit at a time allows people to get used to your changing and not make it more difficult for you. Yes. Because a lot of the difficulties that we face in, in becoming better versions of ourselves, right, is, is our group of friends and family who, 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 who like us the way we are. Yes, absolutely. Change is always difficult, whether it's for ourselves in terms of creating change in our own lives because it is a move away from what is familiar into the unknown. I suspect for you change is less daunting, John, since you have this approach of a new beginning, which is something you're racing towards. Um, but for most people, the unknown is a little bit, mm, we're hesitant, we're, you know, we're uncertain. Humans thrive on certainty, you know, so cultivating an attitude of curiosity and uh, interest in the unknown, in what's not known, is a huge gift. I think you have a lot of it. I struggle with that one. I, I prefer certainty. But, um, but I think that, in general, people tend to struggle 
with change because it brings us face to face with the unknown. Moving a little bit in a different direction, I'd like to ask you, John, what role do you think gratitude plays in our lives? I think gratitude might be one of the biggest roles in our life. I, what I learned, I've learned, what I practice in my life is that I like to look back on things. I think gratitude has made the biggest difference in my life. And to get to the point where I can look at the people who are worse off than me and realize how lucky I am, how grateful I am for the life that I have, and that I can look up to the great people in the world and realize always how much farther I have to go. I think this is, uh, these are the markers of my life. I think that when I'm living my life at a pace that is comfortable, which is slower than the usual pace, then gratitude is very available to me. It's, it arises naturally and spontaneously. I notice uh, moments. I notice experiences, interactions um, that touch me and for which I naturally feel grateful in the moment. Um, but I also notice that when I feel that my plate is too full and overflowing and I can't quite manage all the spinning plates in my life, and when the pace of my life seems to be moving too rapidly, then I find it more difficult because I feel like I'm just barely managing to keep up. I'm just barely managing to paddle fast enough to keep my head above the water. And then I, I feel I'm not able to experience gratitude as easily. I have to work a little bit more at it. I have to make time for it so it becomes more deliberate which is fine um, but it doesn't happen as naturally as easily i do i find that gratitude is if there is a magic balm i think gratitude is the magic balm that can ease every ailment possible um, in the day-to-day -day moments of our lives, in the day-to-day -day challenges of our lives. Um, I love that. That's so beautiful. I also have become aware through work with uh, an amazing uh, gentleman in his 70s who has impacted my life profoundly. I consider him uh, an unbelievably wise, learned, and compassionate, loving man who's become a mentor and a guiding figure in many aspects of my life. And one of the things he has said to me is that um, gratitude is an achievement, and I've really contemplated that. And I think what he meant, and certainly what I've come to, to understand for myself, is that it's not a given. It's not, we're not born innately grateful. It's something we have to develop. And I'm not sure what makes the difference in why some of us have it more available and some of us struggle with it more. But what I can say is that being around people who are grateful in itself 
feels like the most incredible joy and uh, fulfillment because everything becomes beautiful. Um, and being around people who are not grateful can just leave a very hmm, difficult experience of shared experiences. So I, I, I'm a strong believer in gratitude. And I also know it can be cultivated. It can be cultivated by taking time to notice, taking time throughout the day to be attentive to how much in our lives goes well. And I'm in hospitality, we're in hospitality, so it's really easy to notice when things are not going well. But in fact, so much of the day is filled with moments and experiences and interactions and connections where things go extremely well. So, yeah, I think it's, I think gratitude is essential to a fulfilling life and it can make whatever we're going through in life so much better. I couldn't agree with you more. We have so much to be grateful for. Uh, first and foremost, that we've had a life filled with meeting extraordinary people that have guided us, inspired us, and pointed the way for us. And there's no question, there's no question that feeling grateful, and I think that both you and I spend a lot of time feeling gratitude. Um, I know life goes faster than we wish it did we get overwhelmed because the challenges never end. Um, but we deal with them, and when we deal with them, and you sit back, even though it's a short period of time before the next challenge comes, you can really be grateful for all the achievements. There's many setbacks, and often you can even be grateful for the setbacks. Often when you reflect, and when you reflect back, you realize, oh, that setback allowed another opportunity. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that we learn from all these different people that we've had to meet, from all these great saints and sages and scientists, brilliant people, is that, um, is that you can see the positive and the negative in every single thing. And that you have to see the negative, but you should focus on the positive. So every ending is a new beginning. Every challenge is a new opportunity. Um, gratitude. Now, you know, in Tai Chi, we practice that in our body. One hand is moving forward while the other hand is moving backward. One leg is moving to the right while the other leg is moving to the left. And you have these um, synchronized movements in opposite directions coming together and moving apart. And it's quite challenging, you know, and, and likewise, I think cultivating an attitude of not rejecting the difficulties, not drowning in them, not rejecting them, but working with them, interacting with them, and extracting what can fertilize our growth, fertilize learning, um, while at the same time, really taking time to 
enjoy, appreciate, and notice all that's good and positive at the same time. Feels like mental Tai Chi. <laughs> but, but isn't that amazing? Because you start, you, you do Tai Chi, and then it's in the movements. But those movements then eventually get reflected in our thoughts. Absolutely, absolutely. And I believe it was your mother, but it might have been you who first taught me the phrase, the tension of opposites. Yes, yes. That yin-yang is the tension of opposites. Yes. And, and since learning that phrase 30 years ago, or so 27 years ago, um, I see it in everything. Mm -hmm. And I see it in traditions, and I see it in the way we live our lives. And it's, it's how life erupts. And, um, and it's a source of gratitude also. Yeah, they're coexisting in every moment. We can look at things from many different lenses. And there's not an absolute lens. It's just what lens works best for us in these particular and specific circumstances. I'd like to ask you, John, how do you achieve a balance between work and personal life? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I... Because I became a monk, because I spent that time in the Himalayas and dedicated my life to spiritual pursuits. And then my teacher sent me to do business, which I originally I thought, oh my God, he's punishing me. I'm not good enough to be like spiritual. But actually what he did was he taught me how to live in both worlds and that actually it's just one world. And so that's what I do. I... I get up every morning and I pray, then I go to work after I exercise. And, um, uh, and I, I, I hold my principles true while I'm working. And while I'm practicing, I'm working. I think that's how I do it. I, I, I don't see so the separation. So you don't see a separation I don't between see your work and personal. I don't experience a separation. I just experience we're living life and we should do it well and we should make good choices. I find it quite challenging because I do prefer to have my life in distinct separate compartments so that my personal life is, is private and personal and my public life is my work life is more public and I find that it's dynamic it's not static and I'm always trying to balance uh, these things um, I think I do best when I make a schedule and schedule the time that I need for personal time versus my work time because hospitality can be all-consuming um, so once again routine schedule really really helps and makes a difference um, yeah. Do you think you have the right balance between personal and work? Well, I just wanted to say, I've, I've, I've learned so much of this from you because originally I, I had no boundaries. I was boundaryless. I didn't learn them as a child. They were not integrated in my family structure. And so when I went to live in a spiritual community, that's kind of like boundaryless because 
Everything is collective we. Everything is a collective we. And it was only when we got married, and, I, and you know when we first got married, I walked into the marriage full without any fear whatsoever. And then it hit me. <laughs> and I had to learn boundaries. And I had to learn these different things. So I don't see spiritual life and worldly life as separate. But I certainly see that living our life, we, we do have to plan and schedule and create boundaries and separations between our personal time and our public time. That's been the most challenging for me. And I think after 16 years of Kamalaya and 27 years of marriage, 28 years of marriage, um, I'm beginning to learn it. You know, it's a process for me. It's really a process for me. I have to be very honest about it. Um, but I think it's different spiritual life and worldly life and personal life and public life. And I think there's, you're, you're absolutely correct that it's important to create those boundaries. So I think we're coming to the end of our time here together. And I think I would like to summarize perhaps, or let's say just highlight a few of the key messages that have been important for me in this conversation, in our conversation. Um, one of them is to take time to review the past in order to learn what you have done well and to discover areas that may need a little bit more care and tending. Um, take time to review the different aspects of your life uh, and, and see where you may need to put a little bit more attention and structure it into your time schedule so that you can achieve a better work and personal life balance. Definitely slow down enough to notice the beauty, the moments that make life so rich and meaningful in order to cultivate gratitude. And if you can't slow down, then maybe just develop a daily practice at the end of the day of reviewing things you are grateful for and perhaps your participation in creating those moments. And change one habit at a time. Choose one high impact habit. Um, we know exercise is one of those high impact habits. A mindfulness or breathing practice is one of those high impact practices. And sleep also, gratitude. Time in nature, extraordinary the impact. You choose the one that's right for you, but just remember one at a time and be gentle and kind with yourself as you learn from your past and embark on a bright new future. Please, we invite you to make celebrating the end of the year a celebration of your life. And we wish you an amazing year ahead. And we look forward to meeting you at Kamalaya in 2022. I would like to leave you with a poem. It came to us from a dear friend, Sally Frankel. And we both were very deeply touched by it and we'd like to share it with you. The earth turns, the new day dawns bringing hope of a better tomorrow. All we need is the morning. As long as there is sunrise, then there is the possibility that we can face 
all of our misfortunes, celebrate all of our blessings, and live all our endeavors as human beings. Spirituality is something that has become necessary in these troubled times, yet it is inherently superfluous. We need it to remind ourselves, to bolster ourselves, to integrate ourselves, to fulfill ourselves. If we could simply acknowledge the mystery of night and the glory of morning, we would need neither civilization nor spirituality. At its simplest, life begins with dawn. That is blessing enough. All else becomes fullness immeasurable. At dawn, kneel down and give thanks for this wonderful event. We may think mornings are so common that they are unworthy of veneration, but do you realize most places in the cosmos do not have mornings? This daily event is our supreme goodness. Greet the dawn. That is your miracle to witness. That is the ultimate beauty. That is sacredness. That is your gift from heaven. That is your omen of prophecy. That is knowledge that life is not futile. That is enlightenment. That is your meaning in life. That is your directive. That is your comfort. That is the solemnity of duty. That is inspiration for compassion. That is the light of the ultimate. By Deng Ming Dao. For those of you who may not be familiar with where, where we are right now, Kamalaya is offering a variety of wellness programs that fall into five distinct categories. Our healthy lifestyle category, our detox and reset category, stress and burnout, cultivating heart, body, mind and spirit, and a taste of Kamalaya. For more details, Please don't hesitate to get in touch with our reservations team and our wellness teams at reservations at kamalaya.com or you can visit our website www.kamalaya.com that's k-a-m-a-l-a-y-a.com and start the year on the right track and live the best year ever. And how about this is the first time that Karina and I have ever done a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting ready for 2022 with more communication to share with you and, uh, and each other. All the best. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs>